Hello and welcome back to the Grubcast. I'm Jim Grubb, geeking out about IT infrastructure. I had the opportunity recently to sit down with Jason Gooley, who is our solutions architect from our worldwide enterprise organization. And uh, Jason is an expert around DNA Center and is going to give us an update on what's been happening with DNA Center. In particular, I asked him about the new assurance capabilities, which uh, when we did our first podcast on software-defined access with Jeff McLaughlin a few months ago, the assurance capability had not been released. So we're going to get an update on that and then uh, anything else that's uh, new in the DNA Center platform. Let's just start with a brief recap on DNA Center, what it is and why we introduced this as part of our intent-based networking portfolio. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the new capabilities. Thank you, Jim. DNA Center is it's a few things, right? The biggest thing is that it's a centralized place to manage your network. Not only can you get analytics from it, you can actually manage your devices with a single pane, right? And that's one of the biggest things that a lot of customers have been driving towards is finding a place where they can go to get through all the operations of their day-to-day jobs. So with DNA Center, it gives us the ability to have that central place and be able to integrate it in with our network, and more of a control, control-based control mechanism, right? The other thing that's really neat about it is it gives us capability of doing logical network designs that can then translate into physically deployed networks. What I mean by that is we can logically define using a design phase what devices are going to be in what buildings, what site settings they might have, maybe wireless floor plan maps, things like that, and you create this hierarchy. And then what we do is we can go and essentially provision devices to take on those different attributes. So when you talk about the design phase, this is essentially one of the features in the program. There are multiple phases. Is that what we call them? Correct. Well, phases or, or tabs, you can call it, yeah. different sections and areas of, right. of DNA. So when you're using the design tab, you can actually do this without having any hardware deployed. You can just use it as a design tool, specify buildings, cities, different hierarchical levels, and then uh, from there you can actually go off and deploy that network. Now, what about if you're deploying this on an, an existing uh, infrastructure where you've got devices that are already deployed and you want to start using DNA Center and cutting over to that. How does that work? We start talking about things like brownfield migration. What often happens is when you're deploying a new set of equipment or you want to deploy it in a different fashion, you set it up in what we call kind of like a pod setup. So if you're in a data center world, you might have an ACI pod set up in your data center and then you would integrate those two dev- two stacks of equipment together and then start slowly migrating over. So the same concept goes with the campus environment with DNA Center. You can design out whole new locations and sites, even countries for that matter, like you mentioned, and then as they start coming online, they'll adopt those different devices, uh, personas, so to speak. Well, let's go back to the, uh, the telemetry. You mentioned telemetry. So I know this is not only, uh, this is a software-defined controller that allows us to use automation to roll out new IT services or new branches or things like that. But there's also this side of it, which is the ability to see what's happening in your network or to get telemetry from the network. And I believe we even called this 
we call it assurance now, but we in its in its first instance we called it something else. I think it was called the Cisco Network Data Platform. Is that correct? Right? Uh, it yeah. used to be called the Cisco Network Data Platform or NDP. Yes. Right. Okay. So if you've uh, read any about that, that's that's what we're talking about here. We now call that assurance as the official name for it. And assurance is the the visibility side of automation and visibility, right? Where we have the ability to detect problems, where we have the ability to monitor performance, where where we uh, where we actually have some new capabilities. I, I think Jason, you're going to talk to us a little bit about time travel, which yes. is one of those, uh, for example. So these are the capabilities that we give you in now a graphical tool that's a single pane of glass that allows us uh, to manage our networks with a level of efficiency that we've never seen before uh, compared to box by box configuration of the past. So uh, let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into assurance, this feature. First of all, when was it released? And uh, maybe even down to what was the software DNA uh, version number? So if folks want to try it, they know what release of the software it became available in. And what are some of the features that are in it in its uh, in its new release here? DNA Center Assurance came out, I would say, uh, right around June Cisco Live time, and it would be DNA Center version 1.2. So that that's okay. where we started including it with the, the rest of the DNA Center portfolio. Okay, great. When we start talking about the different pieces and components of assurance, I think it's important to note now that we mentioned telemetry and we mentioned getting this information and data in. You say telemetry. So what are we talking about when we say telemetry? Great yeah. point. NetFlow, things like syslog and SNMP that were traditionally used to gathering from our devices, now we can gather them to a single place and actually make decisions on what, what to do with that information. Maybe even correlate exactly. what we see from those different sensors or capabilities. Okay. So we're collecting all this data and telemetry. So the, that's the best part about it. Because we talked about having this software-defined controller, this central point in the network that can see what's going on in the campus, we can actually correlate the data and actually see if there's any issues. So when you start talking about troubleshooting and easing the burden of troubleshooting, or like you mentioned earlier, hopping from the device to device to configure or find issues, this can actually literally tell you where those issues arise in your network and even give you guided remediation steps on how to fix those issues. When we integrate DNA Center with ISE or Identity Services Engine, that gives us that context we're talking about, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. Tying that into assurance with the telemetry data, we have the ability to see not only is if something is working correctly or if something is not performing the way it's supposed to be. And much like in ACI, we get application health statistics from the campus aspect of it using DNA Center with assurance. So take me through uh, a before and after. So before I have DNA Center, I've got a problem in my infrastructure that involves the WAN or the access portion or the wireless portion of the network. And take me through a typical scenario, what I might do today, and then how that changes when I have DNA Center. I'll give it a wireless example because it's one of the most common examples that we see, especially in this day and age. A user comes into your environment, they try to get connected, whether it's guest or on, onboard to your normal wireless network, and they have some sort of an issue. Oftentimes, it could be something very simple. It could be something catastrophic as well. We don't know. So when that happens, usually the issue gets reported up to the help desk, and the service ticket gets created, and then the network operator who's in charge of that will go back and try to dig out and find what the issue was. But when we start talking about dynamic things like wireless, that issue might have happened last Tuesday at 3 p.m., and there's no 
no residue left of what that issue no was. Ways. There's no uh, footprint or whatever to see right. what was going on at that time. Yeah. 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 So in that case, oftentimes tickets just sit in the queue or they eventually get closed with no remediation or no, no way to resolve it. Fast forward to today with assurance. Imagine you had an issue, same, same exact issue, wireless onboarding problem with a client. But even if it happened last Tuesday at 3 p.m., you can go into assurance and it can tell you exactly what that problem was what it impacted from a, a, a impact perspective, whether it's just a single user, multiple clients, an entire branch floor, or a building for, you know, a whole campus. So th- this is the time travel piece that you were talking about. Correct, or, correct. Did you call it time travel? Yeah, network time travel. Is it collecting every packet? So you're going back and you can look at the packets that were flowing? Or what, what, what kind of data is it save, saving to give us the ability to go back in time? Well, we mentioned this telemetry data, that SNMP or NetFlow, those type of statistical data, that gets captured. So, for example, if you can go back and look at what happened at 3 p.m. On, on that last Tuesday, you'll be able to see a nice picture of what applications were working, what was not working, and maybe what the issue was. So in this particular case, there was an issue where the wireless couldn't get, the client couldn't get an IP address, and it was something as simple as the DHCP scope was full. Now, not only will Assurance know that, it'll actually tell you that that was the issue and maybe give you some steps on how to resolve that issue. I know there is some concern about the black box nature of this, that that if you let the automation take over the management of my network, then I really don't know, you know, what it's done. And because of that, if I need to go back and fix it manually, I'm going to have a hard time. When we talk about the guided remediation from assurance and that perspective, it tells you what steps that you need to take in order to remediate them. And then as we start moving on to the future, we're going to have that automatic the, the capability of having automatic remediation. And you will have levels of, of being able to check off what you want it to do automatically. And then because of that, that gives you the ability to implement something called change control that's going to be built into the system. So you can say this person or can or cannot make these changes, and it has to get approved through an, an actual change control oh, process. Sounds like a, an extra set of policy capabilities that you can overlay on top of this. So. Correct. Just to be clear, today, in the product today, it does not make any changes for you automatically in your network. It simply notifies you and then gives you a set of suggestions to fix uh, or, or in terms of how to fix the product Correct. or the, the, the situation. Tell me, how does, it, how does it know, you know, where do those suggestions come from? And if you think about it, tech sees a lot of different issues. And we have a pretty broad set of customers. So when these issues get rolled up into tech, they start creating what is known as like a typical knowledge base. So when you start talking the different types of issues that keep recurring, you know, customers are having the same issues over and over again. Why can't we start thinking about automating or giving those steps to fix those issues without having to manually do it? Sure, yeah. Now, for folks that may not be familiar, the TAC is our telephone assistance center, which we have uh, several of them around the world. As a matter of fact, I recently had the opportunity to go sit down on the phones and just listen. I wanted to see, you know, what were the kinds of typical problems, and I wanted to, you know, get a sense for how we handled that with our customers. So I sat down in our uh, Research Triangle Park uh, Telephone Assistance Center and uh, was with a young man right out of college, and I was pretty impressed with his ability to diagnose problems and because I... A call, a call would come in, and the customer would describe, start to describe the problem, 
and after about three sentences, he'd look over at me and he'd wink at me, letting me know that he, he knew what the problem was and how to fix it. And I thought, wow, this kid is really bright. But then I realized, you know, he's had the opportunity to answer that question many times before. And uh, that's exactly what you're talking about. That knowledge, that knowledge base that gets built up uh, is really valuable in terms of network troubleshooting because uh, you get such a, you know, you, you, you hear all the problems and the problems, you know, when there are problems, oftentimes they repeat themselves. And so, um, so that's pretty cool that we're starting to take that, essentially that knowledge base that comes from that experience and encoding it into the, into the software. Now, in the current release, we only give you the uh, recommendations. In future releases, it'll be able to potentially do this for you automatically, or at least if you configure it in such a way that uh, you say, I want it, the network to fix itself, it will fix itself. Is that right? That, that's accurate. So it might come up and say, you know, these are the steps that need to be taken. Do you want us to fix it for you? Click yes or, or no or make a change control for a certain hour or window. Or maybe even configure it where you don't have to click yes. It, it, on it yes, just, 100%. It completely it, automatic. Right. But you would, you, would, you would make that distinction prior. You know. Right. And obviously, you're going to want to wait until you're, you've, you've seen a few of the suggestions at least and you're comfortable that it's doing what you would do or what you think is the best you know, way to remediate the problem. Sure. Right. So I think what will happen is you know, especially in early days, uh, we need to get to trust the automation. And, uh, and we're going to watch it and we're going to listen for its suggestions, maybe take its suggestions and implement them ourselves. And then, you know, if it all works and it keeps our network running well, then maybe over time we, we start to uh, have that level of trust that allows us just to allow the network to drive itself. You know, this is kind of very, very much analogous with what's happening with the self-driving cars today and how we have some cars that actually have self-driving capabilities, but you have to keep your hands on the wheel. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it's just like anything else with automation. As we start to, as we start to have some experience with it and we start to gain that trust and, uh, uh, that we will, you know, be able to automate more and more. And, uh, certainly for the, you know, typical minor things that might happen that require just a simple change, uh, those will be the things that we'll, we'll probably automate in the, first, uh, in the first instance of these things. And, of course, if there's a, if there's a hardware problem, the automation is not going to change the hardware for you. So <laughs> if not it's yet, a power right? <laughs> supply or a fan or something like that, uh, at least not yet until we get the, uh, the robotics capability that will <laughs> we'll allow for that. Uh, what else is in this version as as we release it? Anything else uh, interesting that we should talk about here? Yeah, so so there's a capability of something called an RF sensor, and and I was actually new to this, and I and I thought it was tremendous. You know, coming from a customer background, being able to have this capability is pretty awesome. So what it is is there's a se a separate device that you can put on your network, and it's about the size of a deck of playing cards. They're really inexpensive. And they act as an actual client on your wireless network. So, for example, you have it added to your network, and it assumes a role of what you would think would your laptop or cellular phone would be when you're on Wi-Fi. So you can see what's going on in your wireless environment and the RF spectrum just by putting in one of these sensors. So is this something you would walk around the building with, or do you just place them in, in locations where you want to kind of get a sense for 
what's happening? How does that work? Yeah, so you would you would place them. You could depend on how many you want. You could place them in where high traffic areas are, or maybe if there's issue, you know issue spots or areas that you know there you might have uh, faults. You can plug those in there. One I think the coolest things is with all of our Wave Two access points, you can convert them to be sensors as well while they're still serving clients. So that's another cool capability of innovation that just came out. Being able to say, I already have a wireless network deployed. Maybe I can use some of these wireless APs that I already have to detect what's going on in the environment. Okay. And then with the partnership that we have with Apple, uh, I understand that you have the ability, for example, to see the signal strength in the mobile device, and that reports back up into DNA Center, if I'm correct. That is correct, yes. Right into assurance. Right. So that essentially now, essentially any Apple device is now a sensor giving you additional data about your wireless coverage, for example. So you can actually see down into that client now because we have that partnership with Apple. We can see what's going on if it's a handheld, if it's a laptop, you name it. You can actually see down into, into the information coming from that mobile device. That's right. And then from a security perspective, that also... If you're running the AMP client on your phone, for example, it allows, in, in ma- at least in managed devices, allows you to get that protection by Talos, you know, all the way down into the mobile device as well. If I've never rolled out DNA Center, first of all, do I have to do I have to upgrade all my hardware in my network to be able to use this tool? And the answer is no. So I want to make sure that that's clear and. One of the beautiful things about assurance is you can implement it with a lot of the equipment that you currently have today. Because when we're talking telemetry data, it's stuff that we're already familiar with and used to, like the NetFlow and the Syslog and SNMP. So there's no need to actually run out and and upgrade all your devices to be able to get the assurance and context of what's going on in your environment. If you want to get started with this, uh, and, uh, you know, I know as we heard from Jeff, you know, there's an underlay fabric, so we... You know, if you're rolling out a new network here, you would actually deploy this in such a way that you you put that fabric in place and then you define all the policies and rules uh, for things that run on top of that. But if you're in an environment where you've already got all of your equipment installed, what's the best way to get started? And do you have to immediately roll out that fabric network or can you use some of these capabilities without doing that? That is another misconception I do like to talk about. You do not have to have a fabric, and you do not have to run software-defined access to being able to use DNA Center or Assurance. There's quite a few capabilities right in the DNA Center that don't involve the fabric or SDA. Some of those could be something like plug-and-play. We have something called software inventory management where we can set golden configurations and standards of what we want pushed out to specific devices. This is for the network devices. For the actual network devices. Golden configurations. Golden, is it also deal with helping you keep your images, the software, the version of the software running consistent across devices as well? Being able to specify a golden image, if you have a site location that maybe has 83850s and you want to make sure that those devices all have the consistent version of software, you can set an image to that. The thing that's really neat about it, not only can you set it to that site location, you can set it to maybe all 3850s or complete device type. So you have that ability to override Say maybe one location might need a specific version of software for some features that you're So running. if I've implemented that feature and I have three, four, five different versions of software running on the devices already, how do they get upgraded? You can actually specify this image, and then you can set a time that you want it to upgrade, or you can upgrade it right there. You click a button. But the process is 
DNA Center will push that software down to that device and upgrade its code. That also ties into when we mentioned plug and play. If you're rolling out a new location, you have a brand new device that comes specifically, you know, specifically from a partner, you can mail it directly to the end location. Say with the design phase that we talked about, have that location all pre-built out with the configuration ready for it. Have the version of software that you want marked as golden. Plug it in, and it'll automatically instantiate it'll itself. It'll call home, talk to DNA Center, and download its image and configuration. Automatically. All those kinds of things. Okay. If you're, if you're in a brownfield environment, well, for, first of all, DNA Center is a hardware appliance, right? Correct. correct. Okay. So, so you roll out the appliance. And do you need, is there an agent, is there a piece of software that has, to, is there a configuration setting in the, in the devices that you're going to manage with it that needs to be changed if, if you've got devices that have already been installed? So it, it's actually like an inventory system. So you would, you would scan and, and bring those devices in inventory in, within DNA Center, and then you can act upon them and make changes. Okay, so does it use Cisco Discovery Protocol or something to it, do you, that? You, I, ICMP, Cisco Discovery Protocol, SNMP, SSH, oh, okay. pretty much all of the above. Okay, so when you install the appliance, you say, go look at the network and tell me what's out there. Correct. And then now you get an inventory, including which images are installed on which devices? Yep, that's correct. Okay, so at that point... So you don't have to install any software on those devices if you then wanted to. So let's just let me just give you a scenario. I roll out the appliance. I do an inventory. I thought I had one image running across all boxes, but maybe there's a half dozen of them that are running images that are either older or newer, or some you know or whatever. And I want to make that consistent. So I just choose those devices and say upgrade the image. Correct. And click on it and. Yep. It all happens through automation. Yep. And if I want to now go to a fully installed fabric, again, I'm in a brownfield where I've already got my devices that are rolled out. How do I go about doing that? That's actually what we call a brownfield migration. If you want to migrate over to a fabric, you, you can select the devices that you want to, what we call provision, to be in part of a fabric. Now, what it'll do is it'll put that new configuration back down on top of what you had before. So it will basically blank it out and start over but then it'll be on the fabric and operating as a fabric node. It reboots, I'm assuming, Correct. to take on that new configuration. And now, from a, from a sequencing perspective, uh, should I have all my policies and my identities done ahead of time so that when I want to do that cutover, I don't have to establish the fabric and then go back and, in other words, if I want to keep the network running you know, without without disturbing the folks that might be on the network, other than the fact that I'm going to do a reboot, so I'm probably going to do it at two o'clock in the morning on on Saturday night or whatever. Uh, but uh, what's the typical way that you'd roll that out? And so, oftentimes when we talk about the migration, we would usually instantiate a whole new set of equipment. So, for example. If you wanted to go to a greenfield migration and you have an already existing network, you would plug in a new stack of equipment, have those connect into the old environment, and then start building those as a fabric and then swinging clients and customers over. So that would be if you, for example, if you wanted to take the floor of a building or a building or something like that. And exactly. Yeah, okay. And then the, the flip side of that is if we're not looking at buying new equipment, you can still do the same process, but you have to segment out which devices in the current floor that you have that are existing and 
make those part of a new fabric and start over with those devices. Right. But I don't have to change the physical wiring of those devices because no, no. I'm just essentially applying that underlay fabric so that I have the ability to run these the policy on top of it and Certainly. take advantage of all these uh, all the automation that I get with that. Yep, correct. So Jason, I, I also understand that there's a new feature in there that allows us to start to deploy application policy in this new release of DNA Center. Tell me a little bit about that. Application policy is essentially a new way to configure quality of service. We're all familiar with the way where you would manually have to classify different pieces of, of traffic, whether it's via an access list or using NetFlow. Then you have to configure some sort of a policy and then apply that a policy in all the points you need to. Oftentimes what gets overlooked when we're configuring quality of service is that it needs to be done on an end-to-end -end basis and it needs to be bidirectional. So one of the biggest issues that customers face with quality of service is that they'll deploy certain things, but then they might miss something on the way back or maybe something's flagged incorrectly. And when you say end-to-end, -end, you mean literally end-to-end -end from the data center to the device? So, so from the device to the device, all the way across the campus, all the way across the data center, across the WAN, all the way back down. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the biggest piece is if, if you miss any of those steps, even when it goes across the service provider network, if it's not matched or tagged accordingly, sure. you're going to have issues. Sure, yeah. Okay. So with application policy, we change the way that we go about configuring quality service altogether. The other big issue that we face is that each different type of device, whether it's a router, a switch, or an access point, all has their own way of configuring quality of service. Sure. So it's different commands, it's different mindset, and it, it, that's what makes end-to-end -end kind of a struggle. So now you don't, you essentially you don't even worry about that. You just decide what the rules are, what the policy is, and the controller implements all those different sets of commands on all the devices end-to-end. -end. Now, that does require that you have rolled out the fabric, though, at that point to do that. No, you can use application policy in is, is called what we call base automation. It's part of the DNA center itself. When you have these devices brought into inventory, whether switches, routers, and, and access points, like we mentioned, or wireless LAN controllers, you have the ability to specify this, what we call application policy or QoS policy. And what changes is that instead of having to configure all those class maps and uh, you know, all these different access lists and things like that, policy maps, it becomes more of a drag-and-drop nature. So we have something called business relevant, default, and then now business irrelevant. So an example, so an yeah. example of that yeah. would be if you're a contact center and voice over IP is super important to you, that would be a business relevant application. Yeah. But maybe streaming movies and cat videos might not necessarily be. Right. So right. that could be in this what we call scavenger or, or the the irrelevant business irrelevant class. And then there's default. Default is everything else. So with, with quality of service, you would always have to go and pick and match all these applications to give them preferential treatment. And it got to be really hard because there's so many applications right. running in an environment. Sure. Primarily, the underlay fabric is so you can do segmentation then. Yeah, so the underlay yeah. fabric, yeah, it gives you the ability to route and do your, your fabric. Yeah, yep. yeah, and to establish the virtual routing capabilities and, Correct. and all those kinds of things. Well, that's great. That's, this is an exciting uh, update to uh, DNA Center. Jason, I want to thank you for spending the time with us today. And uh, it's uh, very exciting what's happening with DNA Center. Uh, I'll have you back again when we have a few more things to talk about in I a new release. It. All right. Thank thanks you, a lot.
Okay, well now it's time again for the instant demo. And to help me with that, I've got Dustin Schumann here. Dustin is one of our engineers whose job it is to build the demonstrations that we give on Cisco's dCloud. And so Dustin is gonna take us through a demo of uh, DNA Center and in particular into the new assurance capability, uh, which you can get to if you go to the Cisco product page for uh, DNA Center, you'll find a button that will allow you to get uh, in and start up an instant demo where you'll be able to go in and, and look at some of the same, same things that Dustin is going to share with us today. Hey, Dustin, how are you doing? Thanks for coming to give us a demo. And by the way, thank you for the great work that you do to build these demos so that uh, folks can try out our, our products. Thank you, Jim. I see that you are logged into dCloud here and that we're looking at the DNA Center demo. So what are we going to do? How do we get into Assurance here? So once you actually get logged into DNA Center, you're going to be presented with a dashboard, which is going to give you a collection of your options and, and applications you can view. So once you're on that main page, you're going to see four distinct applications that are right there. We have design, we have policy and provision, and then we also have assurance. Assurance is what we're going to go. So if we go ahead and click. Before you do that, let's just, just real quickly, the other four, tell us just about what these different uh, essentially tabs are for. So design is where you're going to probably want to start. You're going to take basically a, a, a strategic approach, a holistic approach to designing your network. You're going to define your sites. You know, depending on your location, you could define it, maybe your regional. So you want to, you know, uh, states, and then you want to drill down into cities, and then buildings sure. and floors, okay, things so like that's that. That's where you do that part of the work. And then, then you go to provision next? Yep, you'll go to provision. So once we've defined our sites and we set up some settings on what we want to apply to these sites, some standard configurations, we will actually provision them. And that is also where we assign them to a specific site. Okay, good. And then you have to set up... Your policies. The, yes. The, so the thermostats are not allowed to talk to the cash register. Bingo, Jim. So <laughs> policies, yeah, we're going to you know, apply our security policy. This is also where you're going to do things like a build your quality of service policy as okay. well. Okay. Okay. All right. And then that leads us to this new tab called assurance. Yep. Yeah. So that's, again, where we're going to do all our, our troubleshooting and check out health and, and actually spend most of our time resolving issues quickly and fast. All right. Well, let's dive right into it. So we're going to go ahead and click on the assurance module. Once you're actually in the assurance module, you're presented with an overall health of your network. And what we see here is we've got our client health as well as our network health. With the client health, we're given some breakdowns of wireless versus wired clients and our clients are at 91 percent right now so what does that mean what does it mean 91 percent healthy so clients have what we call a health a health score one through ten and based off of some kpis on how these clients are acting on the network onboarded you know not onboarded things like that we assign them a health score okay 10 being the best one being the worst um and, and from that information, we are able to give you an overall client health. Okay. And then the network health, what's, what, are, what, what are the metrics there? Very similar to the client health. We've got those KPIs that we assign to various different attributes of, of the issues that these clients may be having on the network, and we assign them to certain devices. It also takes into the account of what type of device it is. Is it a core switch? Is it an access switch? Things like that. Mm -hmm. And we, again, determine that health score, and we're able to... Okay bubble it up. Okay. 
And from there, we can drill down into some more detailed information about clients and network if we would like. But if we scroll down below these these uh, health scores, we get our top 10 issues. Now, these are issues that we've collected from the telemetry data that we mentioned, that Jason mentioned earlier. And, and depending on the number of issues that we get, we boil up the most important ones, the ones that are the most concerning. Most critical. Most critical, based yeah. again off some KPIs. Okay. And I see, for example, the first one on the list here says, wireless client failed to connect. So this is an onboarding. Yeah, problem. onboarding, DHCP yeah. timeout. So DHCP, if, if we're having trouble with DHCP, there's a good chance it's affecting multiple clients. So we want to bubble that up. You know, but if there's maybe something, let's say a user... Um, using the wrong password that's only maybe affecting that one client, it's not going to be as at the top of the list. Okay. okay. Let's go through a, a scenario of troubleshooting a, a very common use case where a user is having trouble getting on the, uh, the network. In the past, when a user would call up and say, hey, help desk, I'm unable to connect to the wireless on my, let's say, iPad. Well, with traditional tools, we would need things like IP addresses, MAC addresses, and Users don't necessarily have that information very easily. You know, you can mm -hmm. talk them through getting that sure. information. Diving into the set, the setting screens of your iPad or whatever. Yeah. E exactly. Um, but since we have our, we're able to pull the contextual information from the network via ICE, we have all that information. We have their username, things like that. We don't need to go search through different devices across the network. Right. Of course, we ICE, just for the audience here, ICE is our identity services engine, which is, before you go and apply policy and do all this, you need to do that, that base work of identifying these are thermostats, these are cash registers, these are doctors, these are clients or whatever. You know. Exactly, yeah. You need to build that framework of how we're going to bring them out of the yeah. network and identify you them. You can't create those rules until you've established who's who, essentially. Yes. And that's what ICE is all about. So what we can do here is we know the, the user knows their name. We know their name. We can just search by their name. If we go up to the top, there's a little magnifying glass up in the right-hand corner. We can just click on that, and we can start typing. Now, once you start typing the user's name, you're presented with all the users that match what you've typed so far. And that's pretty fast. I'm watching. It's, it's very quick as you just typed in a few letters there. Yeah, and, and so we're searching for a username, but you can also search for devices, network devices. So if we want to investigate a network switch, I could type a network switch there, and it will give me that information. The, uh, the, the, the network name of that switch. Is yes, actually, yes. Yeah. Okay. Then we have what we call these, these 360 views. So there's device 360, application 360, user 360. And what it, this does is give us a, a 360 degree view for everything related to this user. So if we go to this user's 360 view. Well, you've clicked on that now, and it's bringing up a page that says Client 360, and I see a graph here. We can see here from looking at this, Jim, we have, I mentioned earlier, earlier a health score. So here is our health score for this user. Their health score is a 1. They're having trouble getting this device on the network. Mm -hmm. But before we dive a little bit deeper into that, you can see here we also know that they also have two other devices on the network. We have an iPhone and we have a PC. Mm. So we're seeing a holistic view. That's why we call it Client 360. You're, yes. You're seeing the holistic view of any device for that particular user ID. 
Correct. And if you recall, the user called up and said their iPad is unable to get on the network. So let's go ahead and click on the user's iPad. And we have a historical graph of what this user has experienced. So we can see here on the graph, Jim, that around 4 o'clock, they, they were fine. 4 all the way up to 10 p.m. Then they went off the network. And they started experiencing issues. The client health dropped. So before, you know, at 10 o'clock, the health score was, you know, you know 10. But right at that time, they dropped, and their health score went down to one. So this is that ability to go back in time that we yes. talked about. Yep. So this is what we were talking about. I can zero in to a specific time window if I want. I see. So you're moving. He's moving sliders that allow him to get a health score for just a given period of time, in this case, between 9 and 10. And then what we get is it gives us an actual issues that we have in that time. Right now, we're getting the network latency for the application. Disney Web Portal is above the threshold. But if we scroll down, we can see that we're failing authentication is what it's telling us. We're failing to get on the network. Again, quickly, we were able to determine the issue here. We didn't need to go jump into our Radius servers, into Active Directory, you know, the WLC switches, things like that. We have it right here All in this page. single page in this single dashboard. The, you can see the actual events in the onboarding under event viewer. You see onboarding, you see DHCP, you see reauthentication, and then it goes red. So you can see exactly where the problem started to happen. And then I see above that, I see a little flow chart um, is that, that says onboarding. What is, what is that flow chart that we're looking that at? That just shows us, Jim, that from the, from the network's perspective, this is how the client would look. So we see here on the left, they're trying to authenticate to the, the Corp SSID. That's the network name, the wireless right. network name. Okay. They're connecting to AP1. And, and again, the nice thing is you get the health scores of those devices as well. So these devices have 10. Earlier, we talked about iOS analytics. So if we go click on, let's say, Daphne's iPhone, which is actually connected to the network, and we scroll down to the bottom. Daphne is the same user, just uh, again, for the audience that can't see the screen here. If we scroll to the bottom where we have detail information, we have iOS analytics. We can click on that tab, and we have everything from the client's perspective. So... You know, if a user is telling us that they're having trouble getting on the network, we can look at this from the network's perspective, but we also can get this information from the client's perspective. Sure. So sure. is the client going to sleep? Is maybe the client having an issue with its actual wireless card? Things like that. We have all that information. Thanks, Dustin. Thank you for giving the, uh, a brief demo of this. If folks want to give themselves their own demo and see exactly what we saw... How do, we, uh, how do we go about doing that? If you want to access this through dCloud, what you can do is reach out to your account team. There's also from the Cisco product page, there is a demo now button. If you click on that, you will see an instant demo that you can just click on and you'll be in this exact same environment that we're showing here. That, well, that's great, Dustin. Listen, thank you for taking the time to uh, spend a couple of minutes with us and show us uh, how these uh, new demos for assurance work. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Grubcast. Until next time, I'm Jim Grubb, and this is the Grubcast, geeking out about IT infrastructure.